for me as a young boy and budding pyromaniac to be able to light a match inside a building as all of the adults looked on in approval. I mean, that's what dreams are made of, right? Sadly, I think word actually got around First Baptist Church of Plainview, Texas, that a certain blossoming pyromaniac wanted to strike the match more than anything, and so I never actually got to light a candle. But now that I'm a pastor, I'm going to light them all. We'll get to that in a second. Advent is a season of expectation, a season of longing, a season of waiting. And so in the days preceding Christmas, we find ourselves in this space, in in this waiting period, waiting for the arrival of the greatest gift ever given. The word Advent translates to arrival or coming. And it's an opportunity for us all to pause, to slow down, to take a breath, to reorient our minds and our hearts, not only on the first coming of Christ, but also on the second coming of Christ. Not only on on a baby boy, born of a virgin, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, an unexpected and humble beginning for an unexpected and humble Savior King. But it also points to the second coming of Christ when he'll come back, when he will reign on earth and there will be forever peace. Matthew 1.13, Matthew 1.23, excuse me, says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus. But it's not just looking back to when Jesus arrived as a baby, the son of God becoming the son of man. And it's not just looking to the future when Jesus will return and reign over the new heavens and the new earth in perfect peace. But it's also, Jesus, how are you arriving in my life each and every day in this space, in this month? The ancient Celtic Christians often spoke of thin places where God's presence was more palpable, where where the veil between heaven and earth, the barrier between heaven and earth grew thin and wispy. And one could see and feel and sense the presence of God more fully than in other places. Advent is one of those thin places. It's a place where we begin and we prepare for the coming of Christ. We we remember and we celebrate his incarnation, which was the thinnest place ever given. God in the flesh on earth, coming from heaven to earth. And then we also look forward and celebrate his return when the veil between heaven and earth will be forever parted and we'll actually see the kingdom of heaven in all its fullness. Advent, a season of waiting. But waiting is just so difficult. Waiting is hard, especially as everything becomes faster, everything around us is faster. It becomes harder to wait. We are continually programmed and conditioned for instant gratification. Everything is at our fingertips. Everything is now. We've forgotten how to wait. We've forgotten why we wait. And so Advent reminds us to take a breath, to create space in our hearts and our minds and our lives to think about what really matters, to, to encourage us that as we wait, we don't wait alone. 
Emmanuel, God with us, waits with us. Because every single one of us in this room is waiting on something. A diagnosis, a job, a relationship, a decision, a baby. We are all waiting for something. And Advent builds up in us this hope and this faith that God is with us in the waiting. He's here. Advent invokes hope. We don't know when, but we know for sure. Hope, the joyous anticipation of good that is not yet here or not yet seen. This is the first Sunday of Advent, and it's the hope Sunday. And so now, after 20 years, I'm going to light the hope candle. Whoa, I'm too excited, too excited. Yes. Thank you, guys. It's as good as I imagined. The hope, the expectation that God will show up, that he is and will be with us, and that he's given us the grace and the hope, regardless of how hard it feels right now, to face tomorrow as we wait for a reality that we do not yet see. Christmas is all about promise and promise fulfilled. And so we sit in that and we, we rest in that. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. A government marked by peace. A world built on love. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Advent, wrestling with the tension of the now and not yet, remembering the child and anticipating the great king who will bring peace. Because it doesn't take very long for us to look around to realize that there's still a lot of crying. There's still a lot of death and a lot of mourning and a lot of pain. But you can't have hope without grief. And so we grieve and we feel and we create the space to enter in to an Advent heart. A time of waiting, longing for Revelation 21. Wait with hope for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart be courageous. Yes, wait with hope for the Lord. Psalm 27, 14. The literal translation for that word wait is kavah in the Hebrew. And it means to bind together like a cord. And so as you wait, as you are stretched, as you are pulled in all different directions, when is a cord at its strongest? When it's being stretched. When you think you can't stretch anymore, hope. Wait in hope. With the Lord, when you think everything is crumbling around you, wait with hope 
in the Lord. When you think you find yourself in a, in a space and a place that you never expected your, yourself to be. When you've given your life to something and you never thought you would be where you are right now. Wait with hope in the Lord. As we're being stretched, knowing that things are not as they should be. Pulled in the tension of what is promised and what is right now. Wait with hope in the Lord. And this waiting is not passive. It's not a sit back and I'll just wait until this passes kind of thing. It's active. This waiting is present and it's focused and it's expectant. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Talking about the returning of Christ. Not even the angels in heaven nor the son, but only the father. Be on guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master will come home. In the evening, or at midnight, or in the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And when I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Mark 13. And so as we wait, as we wait for his return, we ask, Lord, what would you have of me? In this moment, who can I help? What, what can I do? I'm awake. Show me. Let me see as you see. Show me who I can help. Show me who I can reach out to. I'm awake. And I might not feel as strong or I might not feel as sure as I think I should, but I'm here and I'm available and that's all that you need. I'm awake. We actively make room in our hearts and lives and thoughts and intentions for more of Christ. Less of me, God. Less of me, Lord. More of you. Guide me. Show me. I'm open. I'm available. We have two really cool opportunities. Uh, we're partnering with a privilege uh, in participating together as a church family. Uh, the first one is writing Christmas cards uh, to inmates uh, with an incredible organization called Shining Light. Corinne, where's Corinne? There you are. Corinne's going to be over here right after service. Um, and Shining Light uses the arts as a means to restore dignity to people who are incarcerated. And if you've been around for a while, mass incarceration is, is a big deal, and we are, we are looking to see it ended in our lifetime. And so if you have questions about mass incarceration, you can come up and we can talk about it afterwards. But this is something we can do in this season to spread hope and love and peace to our brothers and sisters who are in prison. So that's after. And then we also uh, are partnering with another local organization who helps with people transitioning out of jail back into society. And they're hosting a welcome home banquet in, on the 13th. And so part of that welcome home banquet is, is gift baskets with Metro cards in them. So we're taking Metro cards of any amount. You can load up a Metro card with any amount uh, you want to give. And we, we're going to put those right there at the connections desk, right where that sign is. Oh, come, let us adore him. Got it? So that's uh, this week and, and next week. We're going to do it the whole month, but if we could get those in the next two weeks at the, the connections desk, that would be awesome. How about a little Advent homework? Are you up for it? It's going to be fun, I promise. And it's not, it's not going to go, go buy an Advent calendar with all the chocolates in it. That's not your homework, although I freaking love those things. They're amazing. But what I would ask as your homework, 
through the rest of this month, every night before you fall asleep, as you're reflecting on your day, I want you to ask yourself two questions, okay? Lord, where was I able to make more room for you today? And where did you get crowded out? Those are your two questions. Jesus, where did I make more room for you in this day? And where did you get crowded out? Every night before you go to sleep, okay? We can do this. We can do this together. Less thoughts about myself. Less thoughts about what I have to do. More thoughts about him. More thoughts about others. May I decrease so that you can increase. Jesus. Advent is about making room each and every day for more of Christ, awakening to his incarnation, his coming to us, and his pursuing of us every day. Emmanuel, God with us, right here, right now. In the book of John, we find the disciples asking questions of Jesus. They're, they're hungry to understand this, this new way of life they've decided to live. And so they've got a lot of questions for Jesus uh, on what it looks like to follow him. And so they, they ask him, Jesus, what must we do to do the works God requires? What's required of us in this new life? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. John 6. So the question the disciples are posing to Jesus is, what must I do to live a life that pleases God? And Jesus' answer is the work is to believe. In other words, the Christian life is not about doing. It's about believing. And as New Yorkers, believing or, or, or being or, or becoming does not fit really well into a Google calendar. I understand that. But we have to ask ourselves the question, as we pursue spiritual maturity, are we relying on a lot of busy effort? Are we actually producing lasting change? What is that? Now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not opposed to hustle. I'm, I'm not, I love the energy of this city. I, I love the resolve. New Yorkers, we're going to get it done. Whatever it is, whatever we need to do, we're going to get it done. Right? But there has to be space for us. Space for us to really deal with some stuff as we grow in spiritual maturity to change. So if belief and growing in belief is our work, is the work to do, what contributes to our unbelief? What, what chips away at that belief? What distracts us from believing as we could? Well, the answer to that is heart idols. Idols, Cody, it's Christmas. You don't talk about idols at the Christmas table. Oh, you mean the idols of consumerism or even image? When you're spending all of your money and maybe some of the money that's not yours, credit cards, on things for people that they don't need that you don't even really like. Because you want them to see you a certain way or you feel obligated because they bought you something and so you go on Amazon, you see how much they spent so you can continue the standard of gifting, but then you see what your relationship is really worth to them on Amazon. I'm just kidding. Please note, I've never actually struggled with these examples, judging by their specificity. I am just a voice of the people. And now I am repenting of the idol of pride. Regardless, an idol is anything, anything that takes our eyes off of Jesus 
and leads our thoughts and our affections in a different direction. Anything. It could be a good thing. But it's anything that leads us away from God. It's anything that makes God second. That's an idol. And the Christmas season is chock full of potential idols. Right? Vying for our attention. Attempting to distract us. Idols of consumption. Approval. Acceptance. Keeping up appearances. Selfishness. And I want to stop right here and, and talk about shame for just a little bit. Not that shame is an idol, although it could be. Uh, but let me explain what I mean. I know that, that deep down, most of us know, know the Christmas story. Know about this Jesus who came as a child, who was born, and then later would walk the long path to be crucified for our sin. But some of us are in this place, in this cycle of shame, where we think that whatever we've done or whatever we continue to do, because we can continue to do it and we can't seem to get out of it, that the cross and Jesus is not big enough for whatever that thing is. And so that's where shame, shame kind of overrides this whole experience called grace. But that's what grace is. By definition, grace is a gift that we don't deserve. And grace is for us all. And so when we allow ourselves to be taken off track by shame, caught in a, a vicious cycle of shame, we take our eyes off a gift that was given freely to us that, yes, we don't deserve. So instead of saying, when, as, as the gift is, is given, as the gift is extended, instead of saying, oh, man, I can't, I, I can't, it's too much, I don't deserve it. Instead, we say, thank you. Thank you for your grace, God. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross for my sin. Jesus, you are bigger than whatever shame is trying to come in and take me off track. You're bigger. He's bigger. And that's what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to normalize your experience in shame. Because nothing's too big for grace to override it. Nothing. Nothing. And so we say, thank you, Lord. Because nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus. And nothing literally translates to nothing. Nothing can separate us from his love, from his grace. But we got to make room to be remade. We got to make room in, in, our, in our interior world, in our internal world. We got to make room to be remade. Because that's part of the problem is we're so busy and we're so focused and we're, we're, so, we're so blinders on and we're moving forward that we don't step back and we don't take a breath and we don't really reckon with ourselves and our patterns and why we continue to find ourselves in these vicious circles. And that's what Advent is all about. That's what Advent is for, making room so that we can be remade, so that we can really do business with God and be honest with where we are and who we really are. Wherever that is, it's okay. But we've got to take the time to step back and take a breath and really let ourselves go there because we're afraid of the quiet. We're afraid of the silence. We're afraid of what we might be faced with when the mirror is put up in front of us. And God says, no, that's, that's the start of spiritual maturity. That's the start of us coming into, into, into a realization that I've already, I've done everything that needs to be done. And you are loved and you are valued and you are purposed and you are mine. Advent is that room, that space, that breath. 
It's an invitation to step back from the hustle and the hassle and the noise and the distraction and to fix our minds, to allow our hearts to be filled and to continually return our attention back to the promise of the Savior child. That's the whole thing is how often can I bring my mind back to thinking about God, back to thinking about Jesus. That's why the questions that we're going to ask ourselves over the course of the next week, I want to hear in December, at the end of the month, I want to hear what God is talking to you about because he wants to talk to you. What God is telling you when you say, God, where did you, where did I make room for you today? And where did I allow you to be, be closed out? I want to hear. And, then, and let's share that with each other. Let's share that as a community together. We're reminded in Advent of what he's already done for us. How he's never let us down. How he's canceled our debt. How he's restored relationship. How he's restored health. And, he, and he's filled us with purpose. And he's fill, filled us with hope. A few years ago, I, I started getting these, these wicked, crazy headaches. Like a bump overnight literally started protruded from my head and it wasn't like a migraine but it was like a nerve nerve thing that kind of went all the way back and, and I had no I, no idea what it was so I went and saw um, a couple of specialists uh, and we found out did some did some imaging and we found out that it was a lesion on my skull who does that a lesion on your skull uh, and so we we're like, okay, what does this mean? It was like, well, we can do, we can do surgery. You'll have to do some cosmetic stuff after, after the surgery. I was like, okay, well, that doesn't sound fun. Uh, and they sent me, by the way, okay, this is TMI, but they sent me to, um, they sent me to a, who, who are the people that do cos- cosmetic, cosmetic surgeon? So you, the, their money makers are not, is not what I was going in for. And so I'm sitting there with all of the, all of the silicone all around me. And I was like, what is my life? What is happening? God, help me. I need out of this. God, get me out of this. But he did. So I went to a prayer meeting uh, a few nights after I got my diagnosis and was completely healed in an instant, completely healed. The bump went away. The lesion was gone. Completely healed. It's so good. But here's the thing. I forget. I forget he healed me in such a radical way. I forget to talk about that. And that's what Advent is for, to create the space to remind ourselves what he's done for us, how far he's brought us already. That's what Advent is for, but you have to create the space. You have to have space to do that. While we wait, we make room in holy and hope-filled expectation that God, you are who you say you are. You have, you have come through for me so many times and you're going to do it again. And I know it, he feels slow sometimes. I know he feels like, like, God, what are you waiting on? It's like, it doesn't matter the timeline. What matters is that I'm with you while you wait. That's all that matters. I'm with you while you wait. And so while we wait, we allow him to hold up that mirror to us and allow ourselves to see see ourselves how he sees us while we wait we hope and though we're being stretched and we're being pulled and we feel like we can't be be, we cannot be stretched anymore we wait in hope for the lord we wait for the coming of the child we wait for the presence every single day and we wait for the king that will restore all things no more tears 
No more crying. No more pain. Why don't we all bow our heads? I'm going to read an Advent prayer over us from Chris McKeeley. And if you're comfortable, if you in, in, in a posture of receiving, if you just want to put your palm, the palms of your hands on your knees as we go before God. Come, Lord Jesus. Come into this world that is broken and beaten and weary and wounded and angry. Come shelter our poor, bruised, and still, oh, so beautiful planet beneath the shadow of your healing wings. Come in the stillness of night and the garish light of noon. Come in the mountains and on the shore and by the streams and in the cities. Come to my city. Come to my borough, my neighborhood, my house. Come. Come to me. Come to my heart. Come to my life. Walk inside. Look around with the holy love that is always in your eyes. Do what you do when you come. Turn everything upside down. Turn me inside out so that I can see myself clearly and run to you for shelter from my own ugliness and shame. Come lift my hanging head so that I can see that you will love me still. Come let me see myself reflected in your gaze of love. Come, transform me, refine me, purify me in the fire of your holy love. Come, fill my aching soul with your love and your gentleness and your power. Come, let me live surrendered to you, surrounded by you, inspirited with you. Come, let your life flow through my veins. Come, Lord Jesus.